Welcome to episode 59 of the In the Pattern podcast. This is Chris, and I have the whole gang with me tonight in the virtual hangar. Let's make an initial heading of 287 degrees and say hi to Mark up in NorCal. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Enjoying your winter? Yeah, it's a torrential downpour right now. <laughs> so not, you're... Not complaining. We need yeah. it, but it's, say, it's getting old. do you guys want rain? Yeah, it's just getting old. We we have, an, we have another what two they say probably towards the end of May and it's going to keep doing this wave after wave after wave of El Nino. El yeah I was going to say hello El Nino yeah we uh see what was it been two weeks but we had a solid week of rain and that's way uncommon for Arizona for Phoenix especially anyways uh, not everyday rain. The nice thing about it was it was never any of this torrential downpour stuff. It was just nice and steady. It allowed it to soak in. I turned off my water uh, for all my plants and stuff outside. Haven't had it on for two weeks now. I'll wait till the end of the month before I turn it back on. It'll be that'll be nice. It'll be interesting to see what the water bill turns out to be. <clears throat> so, excellent. All right, uh, let's uh, next turn to uh, zero four eight degrees and head up to Minnesota and welcome Brad. What's going on, Brad? How's your winter treating you? Well, uh, you know, I haven't had to water the plants much, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Uh, we're coming off of the most overcast December in recorded Minnesota history, uh, which meant it was basically unflyable pretty much the entire month. Hmm. Uh, not for lack of trying, uh, but, uh, but, it was, but it was challenging. And then uh, we just had our, our winter cold snap, so we're coming out of... Uh, a lot of minus double digit temperatures and uh, a different set of not flyable weather. <laughs> but yeah, ice, icing. Oh, you got you got several months of icing to deal with up there, I suppose. Oh, icing is a thing until June. June, yeah. Well, realistically, June. <laughs> you you get um, June through what beginning of September? Yeah, October usually. Oh, cool. But uh, but it depends on how high you go. Sure. So, I mean, at at normal altitudes, icing ends about April, May, um, <laughs> and uh, and then it picks up again October, November. But uh, when it's clear and relatively warm, uh, it's not so cool. Well, finally, we're going to turn to one zero nine degrees and head to the East Coast, welcoming John to the virtual hangar. What's up, John? Long time no see, huh? I know, very long time. <laughs> I haven't seen you in. Four days? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, there'll be more to that coming. Yeah, I am. Um, back, back to the grind for you, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a rough uh, three days at work, and um, just getting back into it. And, of course, you know, I spend two, well, 16 days out west in uh, San Diego and, and Phoenix, and go figure. It's it's nice. And then, um, 
it's apparently nice back here at home too. It's like, you know, 50, 60 degrees here, 65 degrees out there. It's perfect weather. I come back here and it just plummets to 17. It's <laughs> I think a low tonight's like 14 and then they're talking about wow, that like sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but it's cold for us on the East Coast and um Let's we're looking it. at a storm, a possible like, you know, foot of snow for us, wow. which is a lot for the East Coast at once. Uh, it's not often we get that. So wait for everybody to freak out and grab their bread and raid the grocery stores. And <laughs> Dude, it's uh, 7, 16 p.m. here, and it's 64 degrees out still. Yeah, it was That's nice. warmer than the inside temperature in my house. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that, but uh, that doesn't sound pleasing, actually. Yeah, although it's nice outside, I'm not sure I want the inside of my house to be quite like that. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> wow. Well, um, and uh, how's uh, Mama Conway doing? She's After doing all good. The, She's yeah. doing good, yeah. So, An official congratulations from everybody here at the In the Pattern podcast. Yeah, it's official now that we're expecting in, in June. So. so no airplane. Yeah, no airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get it bought quite in time. Yeah, See, not, we not were quite. encouraging you for a reason, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'm still flying right now, so I'm I'm happy. Yeah. Whereas if I bought an airplane, I'd probably still be, you know, I don't know, making it work. I was an annual. <laughs> I was just um, talking with this uh, this lady at work um, who I work with, and her she uh, brought her son in. He's um, in sixth grade i guess and he's doing a um research project or whatever and he decided it to be on you know the it profession or whatever so he came in and interviewed me and stuff like that so she came back to pick him up a little bit later and we got to talking and stuff and of course you know um i was talking to him about flying and stuff because he brought up air force and whatnot so i showed him some pictures and stuff and then she she showed up and she's like oh i didn't know you fly so we got into that whole conversation turns out she her husband or whatever has a friend that um, apparently just goes around to all these people's airplanes who don't have time to fly them that are just rich and they're just sitting there and his job's to go out and make sure they get ran every once in a while. So I'm like, um, who is this guy? And, and he's my next best friend, by the way, but we need to get hooked <laughs> up like immediately. Yeah. I need on that deal. And he gets yeah. paid for it. I'm like, I... I'm like, I'll run him out of a job because I'll do it for free. <laughs> We need to be friends. How do well, you I mean, if they're going to pay you for it, I mean... I know, you know. but I'm just saying. <laughs> Get the mm. commercial. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's got to that's be one of the requirements, but... Well, it doesn't have to be, but... could be just friends with these people for all I know, but... Wouldn't be a bad gig. Yeah. No, I, I do that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, John's been on uh, his uh, West Coast tour. Got back home. And uh, back to work. Got to make some money to pay for some baby stuff. Yep, that's the awesome. plan. Well, cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, great uh, getting to see you out here. Wish we had we got a little bit uh, more chance to spend a, a little more time together. But uh, it is what it is. We at least we got to fly. So exactly. that's the important thing. All right. Well, um, oh one uh, one thing I just thought of that uh, since the last time we uh, last time we talked. Um, it was, uh, New Year's Eve, I guess it was, um, and you probably saw some of these tweets and pictures and stuff, but, uh, Franz, Franz texted me, 
or called me. No, I think he texted me. He goes, hey, a, a beach starship just flew over my head as I, as I was driving down 19th Avenue. He's got to be going into Deer Valley or whatever. And I was like, that's awesome. I just happened to be driving at the time. So I'm like, I'm heading there right now. So I uh, drove on over to uh, to Deer Valley, and sure enough, there it was sitting on the ramp. I don't know whose it was. And I texted uh, um, my other buddies, and, you know, Dave and Dean and everybody, and see if they wanted to come over and check it out. And and uh, so Dave did. Um, and I, I'm i sitting there at the uh, FBO slash restaurant and everything, you know, behind the gate, just kind of taking pictures and gawking at it. And there I see Dave out there right next to the airplane talking to... Uh, it must have been the guys from Cutter who was fueling it up or whatever. They thought he was the pilot when he came out, <laughs> which was kind of funny. He's like, yeah, I wish. Um, so he, he got some good pictures of it. I'll have to send them to you if you don't already have them. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty cool. So we went inside, and uh, Franz came over, too, and, and uh, we had some lunch there at the uh, at the restaurant. And uh, just about the time we finished, uh, went outside, and he was just taxiing away. So we got to, uh, got to see him uh, take off, so that was kind of cool. Which was awesome because when we were at Oshkosh, um, the the starship that was there, I um I didn't get to see uh, see take off. I think I did get to see um it like during the air show, just doing some passes. And, uh, do you guys remember seeing it do that? Um, I don't remember it this year, but yeah. I've no, I've seen it there a bunch of times. You know, fly a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah, this year uh, Rutan flew in on it with whoever was piloting it. I'm not sure who. I just remember the one I came across in uh, Traverse City. Mm. Might have been the same one that you saw. Could be. There isn't that many of them, that's for sure. There are five. Yeah, actually flying. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then that one dude owns all the rest of them as as spares, I guess. So, so that was kind of cool. It's always a treat to see a, a rare aircraft like that. Um, one, one of our friends, uh, his name's Gareth, he actually um, was an original... Um, I guess he was a test pilot for them when they were first coming off the line of being built. He got to fly almost every single one of them, and then he got a job as uh, you know a charter pilot with some of the people that owned them. So he's got hundreds or thousands of hours in these things. Kind of cool. I know down at uh, Marana Airport, uh, just south of Phoenix, on the way to Tucson, pretty close to Tucson, there was three or four of them down there for years, just sitting there. And, um, eventually, um, the airport, you know, tried to get a hold of whoever the owners were for the longest time and eventually just auctioned them off and gave the new owners X amount of time to get them off the property. Oh, I don't know who ended up with them, but, uh, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. I love those airplanes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, any volunteers to, to go first, talk about some, uh, flying you've been doing? See, Brad seems to have done some. When actually, doesn't Brad get to do some? Well, actually, <laughs> no, I haven't gotten a chance to do some, so I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, defer for defer. A, for a few minutes. No proficiency flying or? Uh, I almost went out tonight and get <laughs> to get uh, night current, but uh, <laughs> but but no, I have uh, I do have some stories, but I'm ah okay, <laughs> all right, Mark, you got a you got a chance to get up recently? Last time I flew was when I came down to see you. Ah, okay. So, shoot, yeah. that was the last time I flew up until uh, John showed up. Yeah. Well, like I said, 
Pilot Conway. This is going to be the Pilot Conway show. I said that to him the other day. He did. You've been jet-setting all around this place and getting to fly with uh, all kinds of people, so why don't you take it? I know this is going to take a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, I mean, I think the last time we talked was before I did my BFR flight. So uh, back in, in December, I got um, knocked out my BFR um, up at uh, Brett Aviation, which actually got me checked out in the G1000 up there. Um, it was like an hour flight. Went really, really well. Um, the biggest thing I did was just kind of get uh, more acclimated to the um, uh, the autopilot because when we had done the um, the flight before um, in the in the G1000, the one I did the check tried to do the checkout for open airplane. Um, She'd kind of thrown a bunch of uh, stuff at me with the autopilot, but I didn't know which autopilot was going to be in the plane, so I didn't do any prep work on the autopilot itself. I did it all on the G1000, so like I didn't have any kind of uh, pre-knowledge before the flight on the, um, I think it was the GFC 700 or whatever the 700, whatever the Garmin one that goes with the G1000 usually uh, for the 172s. And... So when I did the BFR, I was like, hey, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with the G1000 itself. I was like, I just want some time with the um, with the autopilot. So we kind of did some stuff on the ground. And then um, during the flight, just got to play around with it a lot, do the flight level plan change, kind of why that's a little better sometimes than just the vertical speed. Because um, if you do the vertical speed autopilot, it can stall you if you're not careful. Um, so, you know, set to monitor and all that kind of stuff. But kind of getting to understand what the flight level plan change was, just how to fly off the GPS, how to just do the heading bug stuff, just general using it, turning it off, all that kind of stuff. So um, felt a lot better after that flight with using the autopilot. Um, the thing is just, it's just amazing what the G1000 can do um, combined with that autopilot. I just, I, I love it. Um, the more I fly the G1000, the more I just, I, I just, I absolutely love it. Um, and now I have, with Brett, I have three G1000s available and two Steam Gauge 172, so I'm up to five airplanes that I can grab at any time. And um, So those priced a little differently? They're priced exactly the same, oh. $145.50 an hour. Okay. They're all 172 SPs. Oh, um, okay. It's just whether they have a G1000 or Steam Gauge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non-Steam, generally, they have the... 430s? For the, huh? Or the, the 430s in them? No, they're not Garmin. They're the other one, the um, the KLN or something like that. I forget. The um, the Bendix King, the the little black one, the yeah KLN ninety something. Yeah, whatever the their moving map one is. It's not a color moving map. No, it is. It oh, is. okay. Then it's the newer version. Um, hmm. KLN ninety four, maybe newer than that. I don't, I don't know. know. It's it's the KLN one. Um, mm-hmm. they, I know they don't have the Garmin's, but uh, um, actually, it's kind of funny because flying with you, um, you had what it was a five thirty in there, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I after flying the G one thousand now, like I instantly knew how to operate that thing. <laughs> yeah, it feels very intuitive across the board with those, you know, the four thirty, the five thirty. Yeah, they keep it somewhat the same, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean it's not overly intuitive to begin with, but once you know the system and how it works, they're all the, the same, and I really like that. But um, just in general, I don't know. I, I love the G one thousand. I just I love it. 
I, I can't say much more than that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I, I did my BFR. I got that signed off. Um, so I was good to go fly up there. Um, through some weirdness between how I did my BFR and how I did the open airplane checkouts, uh, I wasn't actually eligible to fly an open airplane. Um, without kind of doing another checkout at this point because um they wanted me to do the fact that the the checkout should cover you for a BFR because it's more than the BFR. Um so when you do the checkout you should get the flight review signature at the same time. Um because I didn't um you know, open airplane was kind of a little bit like, well, we just want to make sure because if they, you know, they're legally required, they're on the hook with the BFR or the flight review. They're not on the hook necessarily with an open airplane checkout. So they might be more willing to give the open airplane checkout, even though it should be harder than the BFR. Um, so because I didn't get them both in the same thing and the instructor wanted to fly with me again, um, and I didn't get them done at the same time. I kind of have to go back and, and I'd have to redo it to get the open airplane checkout, which I wasn't able to do during my trip. So I wasn't actually able to do any open airplane while I was out in San Diego, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but um, the reason I did the BFR where I did was actually because I couldn't get scheduled with the other instructor to finish the checkout and the BFR. Like I was trying mm. to, to send emails and texts and everything. And I'd either get something weird back or, um, like information and like, Hey, look at these things. And I was like, okay, do you have any time to schedule? And then nothing, it would just be silence. And I was <laughs> like, all right, well I need to get this done. So I just went and did the BFR, um, which worked out. Cause now I'm checked out in all five airplanes up at Brett and I'm like, good to go up there, which is nice. So, um, so after I did the BFR, I, um, in this whole thing happened with the open airplane stuff, I realized, well, if I'm going to take out my niece and nephew were the whole reason I wanted to do the flight out in San Diego, because I wanted to take them up for some kind of flight and get them in the airplane. Yeah. Um, Cause they live out there. They were here for Christmas and then we were all flying out together and we're spending two weeks out in San Diego with them. So I was like, I want to take you guys up the airplane. So the weather after Christmas, um, well, Christmas itself was like 70 degrees here, which is just absurd for Christmas <laughs> for us. It's just ridiculous. Um, everybody was just sweating. Nobody had air conditioning. <laughs> it was, it was awful. <laughs> Um, but on top of that, it was 70 and then it was just rain for like a week and a half. So the entire time they were here, it was just raining and pouring and just gusty winds. And it was just terrible weather. Um, but finally, uh, new year's Eve, it was looking good enough that like you were actually going to be able to fly. And, um, I booked an airplane weather held out. I left work early, um, for my vacation and I drove, from right next to Fort Meade Airport, Tipton Airport. I drove from there up to Martin State, picked up an airplane, and then flew back down to Tipton <laughs> to pick up my niece and nephew and my sister-in-law. Because um, I had to fly to Martin State, but it was easier for them to meet me down there. Um, but I basically went up, did a solo flight down, um, which involved me going into the SFRA. So I had to file a flight plan for that and get in. <laughs> um, you remembered how to do all that stuff, right? Yeah, I remembered how to do all that stuff. And uh, that that flight went really well. Um, first time by myself in the G1000, but I'm, I'm used to it now, so it's great. Um, then I landed at Tipton. Um, 
they were already there, so got everyone in the plane. I had my nephew sitting next to me. I had my um, sister-in-law behind him, and then I had my niece behind me. And uh, after they um, kind of fought for a little bit because my niece really wanted to be co-pilot for the flight, um, calmed them down, went up, did two laps around the pattern before my sister-in-law was freaking out too much. And then uh, um, had to come back down and had to get back um, back up to drop the plane off. But uh, they got them in, and, and my niece and nephew just absolutely enjoyed it. You could tell every time I turned the plane and, um, you know, banked, I, I would just hear, wee, from the back seat. And then I'd look back, <laughs> and then I would just see my sister-in-law and just see her kind of like white-knuckling the side of the plane, like, oh, my God. <laughs> she wasn't so impressed with the Gs. Uh the kids no. were into it, huh? But not yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. She was really nervous to go up. Um, in the end, I, you know, I talked to her and she's like, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I don't know if I'd do it again. But she's like, it was better than I expected. Um, the kids just absolutely loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I really wish I could take them up for longer, but, it, you know, it just didn't work out this time. Um, but I dropped them off and then flew back out of the SFRA back up to Martin State. Um, for the autopilot the whole way. It was starting to get dark at that point. So uh, not enough to, um, by the time I was down, I was still like a half hour away from being able to do any night currency. Um, that had been a little closer. I actually probably would have stayed and then gotten night current again. But um, it had been a while since I've actually flown around like sunset and all that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Um, the whole trip, I don't think I went above 1300 feet just because of the shelf, um, the Bravo shelf above me that I had to stay out of inside the SFRA. Um but overall, it was a fantastic little flight. Um, first time I'd been solo with an empty seat since I took Damon up to Scranton and came back alone. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But got like 1.7 that day. And uh, I think that was the day I finally broke 100 hours. Finally. I've been saying I was going to for so, so long. But <laughs> Yay! Goal achieved. Yep. And now you're shooting for another goal with hours. Yes. I need uh, 25 in the last 12 months. Or in, it's, it's for... Life insurance. Life insurance. Yep. They, uh, um, to get the discounted rate, um, which is basically no riders or anything with aviation whatsoever, no additional fees or anything, if I have 25 hours in the last 12 months, then they'll give it to me like normal, and I'm good to go. Is that through... Uh, some uh, some company or AOPA uh, or something. It's whatever the the AOP whoever AOPA always talks about the pilot insurance one. Mm-hmm. Um, went through them. Okay, because right. I, I was wondering. just like I'm tired of paying like basically they were treating you like you were a smoker. Yeah. Or well, you, you, you deathly you, ill or sick or something. You participate in a severely risky, you know, situation all the time. Oh, yeah, sit. all the time. Yeah, totally. Die at any moment. Um, you know, then I get in the car and drive back home, and then <laughs> <laughs> right, which is severely more risky than the actual flying. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the advantage is is actually the money for me works out that like it is it pays for itself immediately um, for me to get the twenty five hours. So like I'm on a mission to fly, <laughs> um, which is great. I love being in this situation. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, after that flight, um, which by the way, that flight into the into the SFRA, I did pattern work 
at Tipton, and then I left the SFRA, involved following filing three flight plans and three phone calls to to ATC. And don't forget a note from your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, John is allowed to fly into the SFRA. They make it so welcoming and easy. I know. Um, well, I did all the flight plans though this time in four flight and I, it couldn't have been easier because it was like right before I was about to fly. I'm like getting ready. I'm like, okay, I have the time. So I just popped in the flight plan, hit submit. Um, the way in is actually easier because you just call them up when you're outside and then they give you the squat code and let you in. The problem is when you're trying to get out from a non-terrored airport, um, or doing pattern work, you have to call them on the phone on the ground. They'll give you a squat code and a frequency. Unless you're doing just pattern work, then you don't get the frequency because you don't have to talk to them. But they'll give you the squat code. And then if you're doing pattern work, when you land on the ground and you're done, you have to call them back up and say, I'm done with the the pattern work. At a towered airport? At a non-towered airport. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I had to do all that. And then when I went to leave again, I had to follow another one and then do the um, do the call to get the frequency and the thing. So... Yeah, that's the fun of flying the SFRA. But overall, it wasn't too bad. It went really well. Um, I remembered how to do everything. No issues. Um, so it, it went really well. Um, nice. Yeah. So the other though, at that point, um, I had to pack and then fly out to San Diego. <laughs> um, once I got out in San Diego, we had a few days kind of chilling out there. And then um, Bill Rote had contacted me before talking about flying out there. And we kind of started setting some stuff up. So we had um, two Sundays in a row set up just in case weather kind of canceled one. And we were going to do uh, – uh, the plan was to take the Cherokee 6 out of um, Palomar and head up to uh, Catalina. And – I think it was like the day before or two days before or something. I think it was the day before. Um, I get an email and he's like, yeah, he's like, the weather's not looking good at Catalina. It's going to be gusting like 25, um, which at that airport. Not a good know. idea on the USS Catalina. Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we scrubbed that. And instead, um, he's part owner in a, um, Great Lakes in montgomery airfield so met him there and got to fly in an open cockpit by plane all around san diego did a bay tour went up the coast looking for whales it was a little um a little windy so there's a lot of white caps so it's kind of hard to see the whales but we did get to see uh, at least one that i remember um gray whale kind of migrating south uh got to see the coast i mean just that's awesome it was an absolute blast i i that is probably the most fun I've had in an airplane flying so far. <laughs> well, you got fantastic scenery and a fun little plane and open cockpit and biplane, all these, you know, all these it's little check just, marks, you know, I know. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. You knock it all out at once. It's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fantastic. Um, I, I just can't thank Bill enough for that flight because I mean, it was, it was cool too, because, you know, we just got out to San Diego. So now I got to like, see the whole city, see, you know, where everything was, um, you know, go down the, go down the bay, see all the Navy stuff, go, we flew right over, um, San Diego international, the, um, uh-huh. what is it? Um, Lindenburg field, mm-hmm. uh, which is where we flew in. And, um, 
Midway. Hmm. You did the Midway tour. Yeah, I did the Midway tour. Um, the is it USS Midway? That's the, the aircraft I guess, carrier. Yeah. Hmm? The yeah, but it's the aircraft carrier there. Um, mm-hmm. all kinds of planes on top. Uh, they have a Tomcat, which just made my day. <laughs> um, I love that thing. But I, you know, honestly, I love the airplanes on top of that thing, and the fact that you're on an aircraft carrier is really cool, especially when you're like on the first floor and you're just in, you're like in a hangar inside a giant boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's the cool stuff, how big that is. Yeah, well, the cool stuff was all this stuff down below. Like you're like yeah. crawling through all these little, you know, it's it's really compact. You're going through everything. Went down in like the engine room, and um, it was just really neat to be able to just walk all through that and and get to see what it was like. You know, a little bit of what it was like, kind of. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I've done that like three different times. Uh, we used to go down to San Diego all the time for. Um, uh, vacations and stuff and yeah i've went through that thing like you like at least a couple of times and and they do switch out the planes occasionally they'll add one and take one away and stuff like that and they have a they have a couple of uh flight simulators on board down below uh, yeah i saw those, those. kind of cool yeah my wife was asking you want to do those you want to do those <laughs> it's like oh, i'm good i'm good um yeah that was uh that was a lot of fun did that did the san diego zoo which was really cool um but uh, the other, f- well, you know, I did the biplane flight with Bill and we had kind of lunch afterwards and that was um, a blast. But then the the makeup day we had for that flight um, was to try. So at this point, we're like, all right, we'll try Catalina again in the Cherokee 6. <laughs> and uh, so I, I meet him at the at the airport in the morning. And my whole drive up from San Diego up to Palomar um, was just watching. It was like went from like almost ground fog, like 300 foot ceilings up as as i went further north they started raising up to i don't know it was probably like 3500 feet by the time i was up at um clone and uh get up there get to the plane and he's like did you look at the weather for catalina i was like i did last <laughs> night and they were calling for 200 foot over or yeah 200 foot overcast um he's like yeah it's about what it is right now <laughs> i was like yeah we're, we're not gonna make it there wah, wah, wah. um so he's like, here's a couple options. And I was kind of like, well, like, I don't know the area, you know, whatever you think, uh, you know, will be fun. I'm, I'm game for anything. I should be happy to get up. And, uh, so we decided to get up, kind of take a look, see how it was, see if we could get into, um, Borrego Springs, which is, uh, just over the mountains, um, to the, hang on, let me get it east of San Diego. <laughs> Not much uh, to the west of it. Not a whole lot. No, but I tell you what, going on the, on the, west coast has com- just completely messed with my direction while i was there <laughs> because the ocean is east right <laughs> the ocean is east ocean's on the wrong side of this beach what's up i know and because of that like i just i have a really hard time on what's east and what's west and like east is going more inland and i just don't doesn't comprehend um hey, hey you got to see you get you got to see some uh coastal sunsets instead of sunrises yeah i know it's nice i can actually like see them because i don't get up <laughs> early in the morning ever <laughs> Unless I stayed up way too late the night before. There you go. <laughs> You'll be up early soon. Don't. Oh, uh, I know. I know. I You'll get to be up now. at two a.m. and then three a.m. and four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to see all the a.m.s. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we 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 started flying. Um, started flying east. Um, 
the the clouds are definitely kind of hovering there at 3500 and we're looking at the mountains and then we're looking at the clouds and we're like i don't know if we're gonna have enough room to make it through because the mountains are getting high over there and so we just kept kind of going just to see um if we needed to pick up like an ifr or anything like that um because bill's ifr rated and um turns out we actually as soon as we started getting all um you know closer to to the mountains we started uh the clouds kind of broke up a little bit and we had a really nice bunch of giant holes um, to go through and do VFR on top. Um, Cause the other side of the mountains over by the desert was just completely either scattered or, or non-existent clouds over there. So um worked out really well. We got a nice little hole climbed up, no issues whatsoever. And um, that was the first time I'd really kind of flown in quote unquote mountains. <laughs> you know, we have big Hills out here. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, they go up hundreds of feet. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was cool. So we flew over there, flew into Brego. It was just this quiet little desert town. Um, uh, Bill was saying they do a lot of uh, aerobatics out there. Um, they do a lot of championships and stuff like that. So um, during the summer, it, just a bunch of people come out and um, you can see painted in the desert, like the, the markings for where the aerobatic box is. Oh, on the ground? Um, yeah, on the ground. Mm-hmm. You just see the edges, the middle, and the, it's not a very big box, but uh, yeah, they had hmm. a nice little airport, long runway. There was a, I think that was the one, there was a King Air sitting there, a Cirrus, uh, what we thought might be like a Whitman Tailwind or something like that. We couldn't figure it out. I have hmm. to look that up. Um, I think there was a 182 that was sitting there too. Quiet little place, huh? quiet little place um we flew out and actually looked at a dirt strip that was out there and and, because all the rain it was very um there's a giant puddle in the middle of where two runways would be (laughs) um but it it was really cool because i'd never seen scenery like that before um you know it was desert really and that is completely foreign concept to me (laughs) everything is green here (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know we have um as my friend from from who lives in Phoenix now put it, she's like, yeah, Maryland looks like a jungle now. <laughs> hmm. I bet. Yeah. So we landed, had uh had lunch there in this little resort. Somebody came pick us up from the airport and, um, had lunch, flew back. Uh, the flight back was actually really cool. Um, because we, we flew out East over to, uh, one of the, the salt lakes out there trying to gain altitude to come back. And, um, on the way back, uh, we realized we probably weren't going to make it back based on some of the four flight stuff beforehand and everything else, we're just looking at it's like, we're not going to make it back without doing IFR. So, um, started getting altitude about 8,500 feet flying back. We're starting to fly back West at this point. He picked up an IFR clearance. And, uh, at that point I pretty much flew that thing the whole way back up until we were on the approach, um, coming down and then he took over the plane. So I, I flew the, the Cherokee six for quite a while there. On an IFR plane, which was interesting, especially because I was in the right seat, so it was um, very different flying from that side. Um, props to all of you instructors out there who do that, because starting to give me a little neck, you know. Hurt. <laughs> it was a little weird, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird, very weird. But um, no, but it was it was really cool. Um, got up to ten thousand feet, which is the highest I've ever flown. Um, set another record there, and. Uh, just flew back on on the IFR plan. Just listen to everything you were saying, keeping control of everything, trying to keep it where it was supposed to be. 
um, good practice. I haven't done it in a while. So it was, it was nice to get some, some instrument practice in, um, <laughs> they can't, they brought us back when they were bringing us back down, they kept vectoring us around. And, uh, you know, I, I said, I've never been through really flown through clouds before myself. He's like, Oh, you might get a chance. And then go figure they vectored us right through like every hole in the clouds that they could possibly find. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see clouds. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, straight through a, straight through a hole. And, mm. um, came in, landed, uh, it's a really nice airplane. Um, that's his, his Cherokee six night. I, it is nice. Isn't I it? enjoy that. Yeah. Um, good panel. The paint job is really nice. Uh, the interior is fantastic. And I mean, that thing is so roomy. You'd never know that things. What? 40 years old. No, it's more than that. Right. Well, it's I, 50. well, I guess it's 50 because it's in yeah. the sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said it was like, it was one of the early, early, early Cherokee sixes. Mm-hmm. Like number 13 or something like that. I, know for sure. sure. Yeah, they've did a fantastic fantastic job of keeping it updated and keeping the paint good. Well, they, I'm sure it's been repainted, but they, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got the Aspen uh, in the panels. He's got the HSI, the um, nice little um, attitude and all that. So yeah, just really nice airplane. A lot of fun. We had like three magenta lines to follow between all the <laughs> uh, between the HSI. The, he had a GPS hooked into the Garmin, and I don't remember if he had a 430 iPad. or 530, but he had the same thing. Oh, and we had the iPads, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, we had like four no lines shortage, to follow. No shortage of magenta lines, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I just, you know, um, I had a blast those two times getting out there to see just different parts. It was really cool to, um, and, and I said this to you too, when we flew, it's really neat to be able to go somewhere on vacation and, you know, usually you get, like, a little area, you kind of drive around, see some stuff. But, like, I get to go out there and then see all kinds of things in Southern California and Arizona. Yeah. That I never would have been able to really do without So much aviation. better from the air than versus a car and seeing it from the ground, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, I got to see all the coasts, all of San Diego from, you know, 1,500 feet, 1,000 mm-hmm. feet. Uh, so, um, just... Absolute blast um, out there in San Diego. Um, wish I could have uh, f- grabbed a plane myself, taken my niece and nephew up, which would have been cool because they live out there. But um, I still get to fly. I still get to, to kind of lock some time. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. And then from San Diego, we flew into Phoenix, and we went flying uh, last Friday mm-hmm. now. Cool. Yeah, everybody at work was like, where you been? I said, oh, I flew up to Sedona for breakfast. Yeah, you would do that, wouldn't you? Like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure I would. Yeah. We, yeah, that uh, was a good time. It was. I had a, a friend I was staying with out there, Rachel. She, uh, she tagged along with us. So Rachel used to live uh, back there with you guys? Yeah, yeah. She um, she grew up in, in Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. I went to college um, uh, with her and... Um, she know a lot of my friends oh, okay. too. And so, yeah, so we're good friends with, with her and, um, she got married and her, um, husband lived out in Phoenix. So she moved out there now. Cool. Okay. So yeah, we figured while we're out in San Diego, I might as well stop in Phoenix and see, um, see all you guys Yeah. <laughs> on the way back. So the, the quick flight over, like I said, you barely get to cruising altitude before you come back down. They're like, all right, we're passing out drinks and we'll be right back to pick them up. So get those things drank quick. Uh, yeah, they were handing out the drinks after they started the descent. Yeah. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I'm not even kidding about that. Either. Jeez, like, was, it bump, took, was it bumpy getting out or something? Or no, no. Hmm. They uh, they went up to and it was only like twenty nine thousand feet too. But uh, hmm. by the time they handed out the drinks, it was uh, we were already on our way back down. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's like maybe a forty five minute flight hour at the most. I think they said an hour and ten minutes, and we got in at like fifty. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, you grabbed a, a one seventy two. Yeah, um, I uh, hit up uh, Angel Aviation and grabbed the 172. It's kind of funny. Um, uh, I meet John there, and we we go to the hangar, and you know we get inside the plane, and the the panel on the over the gauges, the plastic you know bezel is loose, and so I kind of like just kind of push it back, and I notice like there's actually no screws holding it on whatsoever. Every screw is off. I'm like, hmm, kind of weird. And so anyways, do our regular pre-flight and everything and pull it out and, and start it up and, you know, taxi off and get down the runway and do our run-up and all that stuff. And uh, and uh, so we uh, we flew up to Sedona. It was kind of a murky day, though. Not the, not the greatest of views. Yeah, it was smooth because of it, though. <laughs> yeah, we had a pretty smooth flight because of it. Uh, that's one of the things that how you can tell if you're going to have a smooth flight out here. If it's kind of hazy and air's not going anywhere, you know you're going to have a smooth flight. If it's crystal clear, it's just going to be bumpy and bounce all over the place because the wind's picking up pretty good, probably. Yeah. But yeah, so we got to go up to uh, Sedona, one of those places that I off- often talk about here on the uh, podcast. And so John got to uh, finally experience it, too, and kind of see some of the beauty of the red rocks of Sedona. It's only, you know, maybe about a 45-minute flight. Um, maybe a little closer to an hour going up. Definitely no more than 45 coming back since it's all downhill pretty much. But uh, yeah, so we uh, we uh, flew up there to Sedona, and uh, the the approach was kind of fun, huh? Going through the red, going in between the rocks and stuff. Yeah, that was um, that was crazy. <laughs> a, a little closer to the cumulus granite than you'd like to be, maybe. But I don't know. <laughs> No, no, it was just, uh, uh, that was, uh, yet again, you know, we don't have rocks like that here. (laughs) So, um, you know, really cool to just kind of see a different part of the U.S. That's just so much different than from what I'm flying at home, you know, Uh, going up over the mountains and then seeing the red rocks there. I mean, that's. Yeah, we got it. We only got up to 7,500 feet. That's all you really need to do to clear that ridge on the other side. And uh, the airport's at like 5,500, um, so uh, maybe a little less. I can't remember, somewhere around there. And uh, so basically when I when I approach the airport, a lot of people, especially if you're coming from the south like we are, you could just do straight in runway three and be done with it, right? But everyone knows that's, that's, not, a, that's not a good way of entering a pattern, um, especially a non-towered airport where you may have those people who are just have mic fright and don't like to talk on the radio, even though they should, and you don't know if they're there or not. You know, you're always doing your scan and whatnot. But, you know, maybe you got some guy with a, you know, the cub with no electrics or whatever. Who knows, you know? Um, so I like to enter from the, um, from the east. And uh, when I do that, we get to, we get to um, uh, go between a, a nice couple, you know, a mountain, basically, and a great big rock formation. And so we're kind of just below the the tops of that so it's kind of cool getting to see those views and then we do like 
we overfly the airport and then enter a left downwind for runway three. And as we did that, there was what sitting on the runway? A Challenger? I think it was a Challenger, yeah. Yeah. A Challenger had pulled up a runway and I was given position. He gave his position. I was like, hey, go ahead and take off. If you can get out before me, I'm just getting ready. I'm just overflying the field now. He goes, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> Thanks for the help. So he took off and and I just kind of extended extended my overflight of the runway and was kind of, uh, well, it wasn't even that long, I guess. We were only just barely over a mile before I turned left and made it a downwind. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. And so as I, as I was explaining to John, um, my touchdown point is um, at or beyond the 1,000-foot marker at that airport because you don't ever want to be, uh, in my opinion anyways, anywhere near the edge uh, of the runway to land because that's where all the wind is, you know, even though it was fairly, it was pretty calm. Uh, I think it said it was calm winds on, on the, on, um, yeah. the, the report, but, uh, but it, it, it's just, you know, habit now, you know, always that thousand foot marker is my, my touchdown spot. There's plenty of runway and it's uphill and shoot, we got off right away at that, uh, at that, that first taxiway pretty much. So. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Though I gotta say, the whole time coming in, I mean it's just um I can see how the whole fact that it's on like a little plateau will just completely mess with you. Yeah. Uh um, yeah. Like trying to get your sight picture and your altitude and like I really haven't de- descended as much. I'm up seventy five hundred feet a minute ago. I haven't descended that much. Here I am trying to land. Because you feel too high, but then you feel too slow too low and you look at the actual runway and then it was just um well, in in November, when we were out at uh, when we were in, in in California, and we went to the Catalina flight. Um, I I did a go around because uh, and uh, and Mark was right behind me. I I came in way way stinking high and fast because I had to me there was this there was this mound or this hill that was between me and the runway, and there wasn't. It was basically a dark area of a shadow. But it played tricks on my eyes, and I thought I needed to be higher than I was, which screwed my yeah. approach up really bad. And uh, so I just did a go-around, which was a safe thing for me to do, and, and got back in line and made it. But, uh, you know, if you ever think, hmm, I wonder if I should, you always should then. Make it safe. But yeah, so we had a, an expensive breakfast. They're known for that. <laughs> $15 for eggs and bacon up there, you know. Yeah, but it was a lot of food. It was good. Yeah, it was nice. I I couldn't even eat all mine. Uh, I don't know why that is. I always every time I go uh, somewhere to uh, to fly into somewhere, I never feel like eating that much. I don't know why that is, but uh, good food, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do tend to get sick, especially if there's uh, any kind of. I I told him no cheesesteaks when we landed. Yeah, <laughs> I brought plenty of air sick bags. Luckily, I didn't have to use any of them. Yeah, I had a few too. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we, uh, took back off, headed back, uh, to, uh, Phoenix, um, did a little, uh, canyon flying, I guess, on the way back. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's a neat little canyon. On the, on the way back, um, there's this, uh, spot that we call, uh, Sunset Point. It's basically the top of a mesa where the highway I-17 flattens out as you've been climbing for days it feels like to get up north and you finally hit this flat plateau and that and there's a rest stop rest stop up there and they call it uh like i said uh, sunset point 
Um, but what you can't see from the rest stop, rest stop is, is to the east, it drops off and there's this big uh, gorge or canyon that's in between the other plateau on the other side. So we kind of, as we're coming back, we drop down uh, just at like uh, at plateau height or just below it or whatever on the way back. It was kind of fun. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing uh, we had going for us is um, you did a little building and built yourself a Stratix. Oh, that was yeah. fun, man. The little Raspberry Pi. I'm sure you've seen it on, on it's been all over the internet and Reddit and everything, but uh Raspberry Pi, a um uh micro compu- mini computer. Oh. Yeah, a little mini computer. Um it's a little Yeah, the S C R and um a little battery pack and a Wi Fi adapter and you've got yourself um a connection to give you ADSB and GPS. Um in at least. Yeah, and the supposedly some weather, but I I didn't yeah really I didn't try to get that working. Yeah, I didn't look for that, but but you had a little Android tablet. I had my iPad running for flight, and we were both connected to it, getting ADSB and traffic information. Yeah, and um, and, and when we left when we left Glendale, um, they said uh, that um, Luke was open, so I had to contact Luke Approach. Uh, Luke Air Force Base, which is right next to basically Glendale's airspace. As a matter of fact, if you look on the map, Glendale's airspace is kind of cut off from a full circle because the Luke approaches it right there. So as you take off directly on runway one from Glendale, uh, you catch just a little corner of their airspace. So I contacted Luke, and he gave us a squat code and and turned us over to uh, Phoenix Approach. I never asked for flight following. Uh, I was just calling them to be you know courteous that I was going to be going through their airspace. And uh, and they ended up giving us flight following, which I don't normally get to uh, to Sedona, but we went ahead and took it anyways. And it was interesting because as they were calling out traffic and whatnot, we could we could pick it up on on our on our tablets with the Stratics. It was really cool. Yeah, I am I am so impressed with that. And um, I was talking to actually my wife, like I think I want to build one of these because for like 150 bucks total, yeah, um, you really can't beat it, and it worked really well. Surprisingly um, I mean, well, I had, yeah. I had try, and I love the way Four Flight displays it. It's got it in there. It'll give you. You tap on it to see information about where they're what their heading is, and yeah, you just tap on. How it fast gives you a little going. arrow. It gives you a little arrow yeah. or whatever. So I thought that was the cool thing. So not only like if ATC says you know um, you have you have traffic at three o'clock at you know uh, two thousand feet below you or whatever, you can look on there and see yeah they're at three o'clock, but you can tell the angle that they're coming at you. You yeah. know, if they're going to be passing in front of you or behind you, which kind of helps you a little bit to, when you look out the window to find them, you can give you a little more assumption of where they're going to be. Yeah, and then the other thing I noticed, um, because at least on mine, um, you know, I was getting that, and then I was getting, it was telling me, hey, this is 500 feet below you or 2,000 feet below you. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, because the flight gives you a little distance rings, I was able mm-hmm. to look and see, oh, they're four miles away, or oh, yeah. they're ten miles away. So I kind of get a distance on how far away I should be looking right. um, to find them. And I mean, we picked up most of the traffic that we found on there. I mean, it was. Um, did you did you look at oh where over top of where Sky Harbor was? It was just littered. Oh yeah, there was a ton of stuff <laughs> over there. <laughs> it was like that's just that's just a mess there. Yeah, um, but we found the one guy doing. Uh, he was doing maneuvers or something out there. Yeah, doing yeah. little circles and. And found him through it, so um, I, I'm just I'm hugely impressed by that. I didn't think it was going to work as well as it did, and um, I might I might have to go and make me one of those. 
So I've decided during during when I'm not flying, I'll just reflash that uh, SIM card, or not SIM card, but reflash that uh, memory card and um, that SD card and, and turn it back into my PiAware for, uh, for um, FlightAware and uh, do that. And then anytime I want to go fly, I'll just uh, uh, reflash that uh, SD card and put it back to Stratix. It's, it's so easy to do. We're talking just a few minutes each way with the setup. Wow. Yeah, so what Stratix does is that... so. Um, it creates its own uh, Wi-Fi signal. It has a little wi- a USB uh, Wi-Fi adapter. And so it creates some Wi-Fi signal. So on your tablet, you just say, you go to Wi-Fi and you pick Stratix. It automatically connects. You don't have to put in a password or anything. And um, and then after that, you go into your uh, moving map, whatever it may be. I use iFlight GPS, and John was using ForeFlight. And you go in there and you say, I'm going to use a... ADSB device and mine had a list and I just chose a just some sort of generic one and boom it just started working real easily. I no didn't even have a list. Yeah, uh, you, mine just showed up as Stratix or whatever and just said, "Hey, this is providing GPS and it's providing um ADSB. ADSB and that was it. It was yeah. done. It yeah. was it was good to go. So I we we did a I I took a video as usual of the flight. So um and we were kind of showing it off in in the in the camera, so hopefully some of that picks up. Um, I haven't got a chance to uh, work on editing that yet. Matter of fact, talking to editing, I just finished that uh, finished putting up the um, the flight uh, back from Catalina. I lost or I didn't have or something. I can't find my video files for landing at Catalina, um, and maybe my batteries ran out possibly because I have a couple of a couple of videos um, of leaving um, Pomona, but not actually making it to Catalina. And I remembered once I got there, I I put the ba- I put the um, the uh, video cameras on my on my battery so they had charge up. So, but um, but anyways, um, but I did get the video edited of of, of us leaving Catalina, um, and I got that up on YouTube too. So that's pretty cool. But uh, so this video. What I've also did was um, I used um, an old cell phone of mine and had it. I, I didn't really need to do this, but I think I just I did it mainly for to save battery on my main cell phone. But I had it do uh, capture all the uh, GPS uh, data as we were moving. And um, then there's this piece of software that you can download called Dashware. D A S H W A R E, and it's this third-party uh, software that you can download. And then you um, uh, basically import your GPX file that it will create. And then you can overlay this data on top of your video. So as you're flying, or as your video shows you flying, it'll have all that GPS information of, you know, altitude, speed, direction, etc. Kind, kind of just like these, they, those Garmin, um, what are they called? Uh, I used to have one. I just sold it because mine didn't have that on there. That, that Garmin... Uh, um, um, camera, I forget what it's called. The verb or something. The verb, yeah. There you go. So, anyways, looking forward to uh, editing that and see how that turns out. Yeah, I um, I had four flight track in our flight too, so I have pictures of that. I'll try to post um, you know, the link to the um, to that. Cool. Yeah. So that uh, that was all my flying. Yeah, and mine. And yours. I mean, how, we... how was my landings for for? being rusty well you know i mean <laughs> no nah, i wasn't bad at all it was it was good 
Yeah. So I can't complain. We walked away. Yeah, we did. <laughs> even oh, even though going back to going back to the, I didn't finish my story about the panel. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm an idiot. So. So, anyways, so this this bezel is loose around there. Like I said, all the screws are gone. Whatever. I just pushed it back up against it, and it kind of stayed. Uh, we took off, we land, we're up there eating breakfast and I get a call, um, from, um, uh, the airplane owner from, or one of the airplane owners, uh, back, back here at Glendale. And he's like, Hey Chris, did you take uh 811? I was like, yeah, I'm up here in, in Sedona right now with it. He goes, well, uh, he goes, I tried to, I, I called you and left you a message or tried to send you a text. Did you get it? And I was like, no, I didn't get anything. He goes, well, he goes, there's no, there's no vacuum gauge. And I'm like, he, oh, he goes, did you notice that the, the, the panel was loose? I was like, yeah, I was wondering what was up with that. I just kind of pushed it back and it stayed there. And he's like, well, we were replacing the vacuum gauge. I was like, well, that explains why I didn't see it during, <laughs> during my uh, you know, run-up and stuff, I guess. I, I totally missed it. I spaced it completely. It's on the list, and I think I get so used to doing a flow that I looked right past it, even... E- e- there's just a blank hole in the gauge or in the dash. It just wasn't there at all. So I was like, well, he goes, well, what in the, what in the vacuum, low vacuum light warning on uh, the light on? I was like, only after you got under about 800 RPM, but that's normal. Yeah, that was completely normal. I never saw the light. I never, never saw came on while it was yeah. running. Everything looked normal. It started fine. <laughs> I mean, uh, your DG processed like way less than anything I'd ever seen before. <laughs> Not that the suction gate would matter, but yeah, I didn't use that. I don't really use that much, anyways. But, uh, but yeah, it. I mean, obviously, you don't need a suction gauge. Uh, you just need a, you need a pump, you know, and that was clearly working. But uh, the gauge was uh, being replaced. So, anyways, to make a long story short. Uh, be more uh, diligent uh, on your on your. Uh, on your um, checks as you're as you're doing your run-ups and everything more than I am because apparently I suck at it. Um, I was I just looking. Hopefully at I don't miss list. something. <laughs> hopefully I don't miss something important someday. You know. <laughs> I was just looking at the checklist to see if it was on here. It is, um, isn't it? There is well, suction. I just realized or that vacuum. I just got these QRef. Um, oh, those little laminated sheets for yeah. the airplane, and uh, it's one emergency and one regular. And I'm looking at it, and then I realize I, I bought the G1000 ones because that's what I'm flying right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So there's yeah. not going to be a suction no. gauge on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm almost positive there is on, on the laminated sheet that's in the plane, and I just I just totally missed yeah, it. Yeah, I know I've seen it. I know I've seen it before. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a required piece of equipment. Eh. What? For a suction gauge? If it is in the panel... And it is not working. What has to happen before you are legal to fly? What if it's not in the panel? It's it wasn't in the panel. <laughs> there wasn't anything to placard saying in op because it just wasn't there. And I think that's why you missed if, it if that, because if that's it literally you, wasn't there. If that's what you were getting at, having an in op sign. Right. It has he, to be placarded and operative and noted uh, in the log. He he should have. Um, I guess he should have left a, a note in the plane that, you know, hey, take the other 172, this one's being worked on or whatever. But his message never got to me. And when we got back to Phoenix and, and we landed and put the plane back, he goes, yeah, I see my, my, my message never made it to you. But uh, 
yeah and it was weird because it wasn't like there was like tools anywhere or things were out it was just that like oh hey the the little plastic bits off that's weird but yeah not even the loose screws lying around and and for rental i mean i would think nothing of the plastic piece not being there because rentals are always falling apart with like stuff like that so (laughs) yeah I, i i can totally see how that happened yeah but uh but that's all my fault i blew that and uh uh, that's a less. That's one of those lessons that'll help me learn in the future to, uh, you know, not maybe go so fast and and uh, keep. Yeah, an eye and on I mean, everything. I never, I never felt unsafe. So you know, no, I ran. It it ran great. There was no issues. Obviously, oh, yeah, they, they do did. a great job of keeping it keeping up on those planes. They got two one seventy twos and two Seneca twos, and they're always keeping up on it. That other one seventy two that they have. I think, and it's a 1981 also. It's a P model, just like this one is. They bought it from some old farmer that had it in a barn since day one and has, like, maybe a thousand hours on it um, and uh, original. And uh, original paint, original everything. It's like a time machine. Um, I thought that thing, I mean, that looked really good. Yeah, I should have showed you the inside of the thing. It's just funny. Um, But... uh, you know, it doesn't have. Uh, I like the 530 that's in the that's in that, that this one. So I don't think they've upgraded the other one to that yet. I haven't looked at it in a while. The the 530 is nice. Yeah, it's an, a nice, good sized screen and has all the nice features that you like. So, and for the first time, I you know I switched over to terrain and found it really useful. Mm, yeah, how, <laughs> how it goes yellow and orange when we were blowing yeah. canyon walls. <laughs> you know, yellow and red, and uh, it's like hundred yeah. feet and thousand feet. And so I always see that on G one thousand. I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. I'll never use that. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I mean, I, I, you know, there are uses out here, but for the most part, everything's so flat that like you'll never use it. But yeah. you know, out there, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. So, <laughs> um, well, yeah, we've been, overall. yeah, good times. We've been, uh, we've been going for a while, uh, Brad. You available? <laughs> as long as, long as your tool is working for okay. the moment. Um, Brad's been having a little bit of technical difficulties, but he's back with us for now. Yeah, we switched our, our recording platform, and and I, for one, vote against it. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, yeah, a few things. I uh, I very nearly flew uh, a pilot some pause mission, um, but. Uh, kind of got scooped out of it. I had uh, got everything lined up, and then somebody else volunteered to uh, take the critters uh, for the full length of their trip instead of the half the length that I was going to fly, so I, I got scooped out of that one. Um, and I signed up for a, uh, a charitable flying organization, uh, Lifeline Pilots, which will help move people who need to, for example, get to the hospital or get from the hospital or get to visit family at the hospital, um, those kinds of missions. Uh, and I, I, I got signed up with them and got all set up to do a mission. Um, it, it was quite the process. They, they have you go through an Air Safety Foundation uh, program on uh, charity flying, uh, which is really quite excellent. And uh, it it runs you through sort of how to introduce, you know, how to how to talk to people about <laughs> these flights. You know, you're going to be in a little unpressurized airplane. 
no, there is no bathroom. <laughs> no, there is no in-flight, you know, flight attendant. Um, That's cool. And some things that you might not think of, you know, like you, you have to be able to, for example, climb up on the wing in order to get into the plane, um, which would be tough if you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and uh, luckily, you know, we have, uh, I have access to a Cherokee 6, which has a door in the back. Oh, yeah. Uh, in addition to the door over the wing. Um, <clears throat> but they kind of run you through those things, and they run you through sort of the how to handle the go-no-go no go decision-making process, which was good because, as it turned out, um, a flight that I had that looked pretty good a few days out became less and less likely as the date of the flight approached. And eventually... Um, as we got as we got all the way down to it, this this flight was going to be from Rochester, Minnesota, which is where the Mayo Clinic is, um, to DeKalb, which is just uh, just west of DuPage, actually, where where you guys have I think uh, Chris and Franz have been there, um, DuPage, Illinois, just it's about thirty thirty five miles west of O'Hare, um, <clears throat> to help a transplant patient. Uh, get back home after going to Mayo for I'm I'm not actually sure exactly what for, um, but uh, in any case, uh, the as the day of the flight got closer, the weather started to look more and more dicey. And then when it got to the day of the flight, it was like, well, I can get you halfway to DeKalb, and that's about it. Um, I can't. It, it's going to be IFR in you know, icing conditions and I, there's just no way that I can, that I can safely make this flight. Um, so I kind of had to go through the, the thing of calling the guy up and canceling and saying, you know, I'm sorry, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to find another way home. And, you know, he, he had made alternate arrangements to, uh, to pick up a one-way airline ticket, but it was kind of a hard thing to go through to, you know, to take someone from, hey, I'll be able to transport you, you know, to where you need to go for free to, yeah, no, you're going to have to buy a last second one-way airline ticket, uh, which is probably going to hurt financially, uh, certainly a lot more than, but that was what we could do. Uh, you know, there just wasn't, uh, there wasn't a safe way to complete the flight. Um, but I'm looking forward to uh, to better weather and being able to do some more of those flights in the future. Uh, and uh, that's that's one of the one of the reasons why I've been building time uh, is to be able to do some some charity flying like that and to, and to give back uh, a little bit and give back through aviation. Sounds like uh, like it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and the other bit of aviation related. Hey, hey what's the requirements, real quick? Uh, they want two hundred and fifty hours PIC. And that's um, it. Not necessarily have to be instrument or commercial it, rated, just PIC total. Correct. You do cool. not, for this particular organization, you don't have to have an instrument rating. Um, obviously, you do if you want to fly IFR. Um, and you don't have to have a commercial uh, rating either. And they're okay with that. So if, if, if you can make the, make the flight and it's IFR, that's cool. They're totally fine with you flying IFR as long as you are current, proficient, and equipped. Got it. Makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, the the pilot who was going to fly the second leg of this trip had a uh, a TKS equipped Bonanza, uh, so he didn't feel like he would have a difficulty flying through 
the IMC toward the end of the flight to, to get into DeKalb, but he, I just, it, the, I didn't, I had no out, you know, it was one and a half mile visibility with a 600 foot overcast and snow. There was just, there was nowhere for me to go if the plane started to ice up. Um, so I, I had to pass. The other aviation related thing that I got to do was to go to, uh, yesterday I went up to St. Cloud to go to an EAA meeting, uh, chapter meeting, and uh, gave a little presentation, uh, sort of an impromptu presentation and question, question and answer session about ForeFlight uh, and flying with uh, ADSB in in the cockpit and what that's like and, and some advanced um, tips and tricks of things that you can do with ForeFlight for all the way from flight planning to flight execution to post-flight um, and, you know, talking about the new briefing uh, that they've added and, and some of the other new features that are in the tool that uh, that really make it fun. And it was nice to just get up there and see airplanes being built and and hang out with a bunch of aviators uh, doing crazy aviation stuff. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I am looking forward to doing some more flying. I uh, I need to get up and before my IFR runs out, uh, I need to uh, I need to get up with a safety pilot and shoot some approaches. And uh, and once again, it's night currency time. I have not been doing a lot of night flying, but I have started to book up reservations for uh, this spring and summer. And uh, I do have a lot of flying coming up. So looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah. And you booked your uh, plane for Oshkosh? I booked a plane for Oshkosh. <laughs> uh, the Six and the Mooney were taken. Really? Already? Yeah, and the Arrow was taken too, so I'm uh, wow. flying in in an archer. <laughs> Back to the archer, huh? Back the old, to the archer. Good old days. Yeah, well. So uh, you want to come pick me up? <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. From <laughs> um, going to the first half of the show this year, though, I'm not. I'm not going to the second half like I usually do. Well, so that'll be different. So I'll be there for day zero. Wow, you're not, you're not going, John. So just forget that. I yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you make it or like zero. Oh, you know, so why, so why I, I will say, somebody said. I think it was Tracy. Actually, she's like good planning, and I was like, no, I did plan. <laughs> Because you know what I didn't do <laughs> is I'm not having a kid the week of Oshkosh, so I'm not going to be like Brad where I miss like every year because his kid's got a birthday <laughs> for the whole week, you know. Uh, uh, sorry, wasn't uh, wasn't thinking about that five years before I got my yeah, yeah, certificate. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, you know we're uh, we're end of June, so I'm I'm only going to be kind of iffy this year, but I should be good after that. Uh, I may try to. I'm really trying to hit um, Sun and Fun though this year, so we'll see what happens. But if I made it to Osh, it'd be like. A weekend, if that. But chances are very slim that I'll make it at all. Do you want to drive to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for a weekend? I would fly. Yeah. No, I would fly I would fly human mailing to to Appleton and call it a day if I did it. That's the only way. Yeah, I've already started looking at tickets. But I mean if anybody's flying from like the East Coast up there, you know, later in the week, let me know. You could you could do some ride sharing. I could I could probably maybe swing that. We gotta get Mark there again. So you just yeah. screwed up my plans. A, you got the archer. B, you're going the first week, first part of the week. Dude, <laughs> if you want, if you want the plane reserves sooner, you gotta let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't. That's, I didn't. that's crazy. That so that that pretty much means right that all those that uh, other people in your group are are going to Oshkosh. 
yeah, there's always a bunch of people that go. Do you ever end up seeing them? Do you know them? Or? Oh, I, I know most of them, and, uh, but no, I never end up seeing them. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, even if we fly in 50 planes apart in the pattern, we're going to be, you know, three, 400 feet away from each other on the field. Yeah, well, I mean, just like meet up somewhere on on the field somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. we meet up. We meet up back home. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But I suspect that the warrior will get plucked up soon, and the the hangars will just be empty for for much of the week. Yeah, I bet. Hmm. How we like it. Well, Franz, Franz and I just went to a uh, AOPA Aviation Safety meeting last night on. Uh, on emergencies, emergency procedures, and stuff like that, and we were talking about he'd like to uh, he'd like to fly back, fly fly in uh, again, but uh, you don't know if he'd be able to do it this year. Uh, he'd he'd really like to fly in and and uh, and take his son Jackson with him sometime. But uh, currently, his plane's still up in Prescott, getting the annual done. Um, ah, the joys of ownership. Yes, uh, there's a part that's on back order; otherwise, it'd be done by now. But hopefully, after that gets all done, um, what's kind of cool is the um, the guy doing all the maintenance or whatever just flies back down here in his plane, and uh, which is a uh, can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, anyways, uh, he flies down here and, and we'll pick Franz back up and take him up there. And he said, if there's room, I'll just go with him. That'll be cool. We'll, we'll make a flight back. He actually, he said. Uh, if we end up um, doing that, um, we plan on uh, doing a little flight over to the Grand Canyon. Um, since we're already all the way to Prescott, the Grand Canyon would be about another 15 minutes in his plane. So that'd be cool to do the, do one of the Grand Canyon corridors. Fun. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to do that, and I realized as I was looking at the chart that we were halfway to the Grand Canyon at Sedona. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in exactly. The, in the... Uh, in the 172, it's about about two hours to get to the to get there, and then I'm not sure exactly exactly how long it takes to do one of the the Dragon Corridor or the other one. I'm not really sure. I've got the uh, charts here at home because I had full intentions of doing this some years ago, and I yet to do it. The good news is that charts don't these those charts don't expire for whatever reason. I guess they don't make changes to them that often. Huh. Anyways, well, I gotta get to flight planning here. I think that about covers it. I think so. Yeah. Alrighty then, John. Do your thing. Well, we'll start off with uh, some shout-outs here for the end of the episode. And um, I have a number. Um, so huge, crazy, ginormous shout-out to Bill for taking me up. Um, not only in the biplane, which was awesome, but, uh, you know, it was Cherokee 6. And uh, I just had a blast. Um it was so cool seeing San Diego and getting to see airplanes and just kind of going up, committing aviation, um, with a fellow listener. And that was, um, it was just fantastic and just huge, huge thanks for that. Uh, shout out to our fellow co-host Chris for, um, <laughs> renting the airplane, taking me up to Sedona and, uh, my friend, and I'm just having a great, great lunch. And, uh, he's the first, um, host now that I've, I've this fine podcast that I've flown with. So I think you were the last one of us to not fly with, with anybody. Anyone. Else. Yeah. I was the last one. Cause I've, I've now flown with everyone except for you. Yeah. So we'll have to yeah. fix that at some point. Yeah. It's probably safer this way. Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go now. Got my BFR. 
No, I mean it's safer for you. Oh, safer for me? Oh, well. You might be right there. Um, I think that's all I got. Uh, I'd like to add a shout-out to EAA Chapter 551 up in St. Cloud, Minnesota, for uh, uh, listening to me prattle on about ForeFlight and, and fun things to do with ADSB and uh, the joys of flying with ADSB out in your airplane and uh, as well as uh, what that gives you on the on the input side and and uh, and just being great hosts and uh, showing me what some uh, old school flying is all about. Uh, they've got some some beautiful airplanes that were there in the hangar that were being uh, worked on and uh, a lot more were coming, I think. So thanks again to uh, EAA Chapter 551 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Awesome. Anybody else any shout outs before we move on? Take the silences no. So with that, um, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode and uh, let everybody know where they can find us real quick online. Uh, Mark, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, Mark at InThePatternPodcast.com. You can always find me on Twitter as CA Pilot Mark and uh, on Facebook and other various places out there. All right, Chris, how about you? Sure, you can shoot me an email at Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com. Uh, find me on Twitter at cholubaz. That's C H O L U B A Z. That is also the same username for my uh, YouTube videos. If you want to go check some of those out. All right. And Brad, how about you? You can reach me at Brad at InThePatternPodcast dot com uh, on Twitter as Brad Kane. You can probably find me on the Facebook from time to time, uh, and uh, just hanging out in other various uh, sundry, wicked, and evil parts of the internet. And Kane is spelled Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, just like it sounds. And all right. Well, you can find me at John at InThePatternPodcast.com, at Pilot Conway on Twitter, and um, pretty much anywhere else at Pilot Conway for the most part on the internet. Uh, for the entire podcast, you can reach us all at podcast at InThePatternPodcast.com or on Twitter's In the Pattern, or you can go ahead and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InThePatternPodcast. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website, inthepatternpodcast.com. Uh, we welcome any suggestions, comments, and critiques. Critiques. We love to get uh, all feedback from our listeners. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 59 of the In the Pattern Podcast. We'd like to thank you all for listening, and remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.